Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we've detected some fear. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. We're the Drunk Guys, and this week we're reading A Study in Scarlet by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Anyone care to start with a beer? I will. And if you don't already know, A Study in Scarlet is the first appearance of Sherlock Holmes, one of the most famous characters in literary history. And one would say that he's pretty brilliant. This beer's called Brilliant. <laughs> and it's by Treehouse. It is a fruited double IPA. It's 8.2% alcohol and made with uh, guava. Yeah, unadulterated guava. It means it's, it's, a, it's like underaged guava. <laughs> and I'll admit, I don't really know what a guava tastes like. Let alone an underaged guava. That just tastes wrong. It it's probably so wrong fucking wrong. does. This isn't ripe. Yeah, it's like a bunch of unripe fruit. <laughs> Mm. You sure they don't mean just like actually fresh guava and not no, like that's, that's a hundred percent frozen what they mean. and from concentrate? <laughs> that's uh, a thousand percent what they mean. Okay. I'm just being an asshole. I honestly um, didn't know. I mean, you could try putting unripe fruit in a beer. I don't think it's a good idea, but you know. Typically, they put over uh, overripe is a more common thing because it's yeah. like almost rotted at that point. Just tastes not underage. Yeah, I mean, it, it has a bit of a... I mean, I really know what guava tastes like. I get almost a strawberry flavor out of this. Um, something vaguely fruity in that sense, like very mild strawberry. It's a delicious IPA from, from Treehouse. There are no treehouses in this book, but plenty of houses. And they didn't say there weren't trees. So There's this, definitely trees. It's definitely well, not in the whole not Utah, in Utah section. <laughs> There's trees outside of houses, maybe. I don't know. In, in London... 221B Baker Street or whatever it is. So this story is very famous, but the part about Mormons is not. Yeah. Yeah. Let's... I was... First time I read it, which was not this week, but the first time I read it, I was like, what the fuck is this? Anyway, we're... This we'll was my there. first time, and I was also, what the fuck is this? I... When I read it the first time, I was like reading a, a less than legally acquired ebook of it, and I was like, oh, it's fucking corrupted somehow this is the wrong book <laughs> why is it why is it all of a sudden shifting i honestly this? had to check and i downloaded a, a, a real copy um and i was certain that they had fucked up and i checked on wikipedia i was like oh no this part is supposed to be here because it was going on way too long you could say that about the whole book i should point out that the copy i got was totally legal because it spoke in the public domain so yeah i got it off Arthur the Conan doyle's estate the gutenberg project Oh, Benevolent Steve, these Steve Gutenberg is decided <laughs> that he wants to give everyone books that are public domain because he can't afford other books because Police Academy was a long time ago. It's just that in the scripts of Police Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Those are not public domain. Okay, so Study in Scarlet is the first appearance of Sherlock Holmes. And it's actually one of only a couple of novels with Sherlock Holmes. Most of his adventures are short stories. And it was written in 1887. And this I find strange surprising for some reason that sir arthur conan doyle who was not a sir yet uh just 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 Art, doyle wrote this book and he was 27 i just always picture him as an old man because he might have uh, been like yeah. one of those young guys who was always an old man probably because he lived in the victorian age <laughs> where you just were an old person or a rapscallion but he uh i mean he lived for a long ass fucking time didn't he die in like did he make it to the 30s I mean, he, he was alive in the 19, 1920s, I believe. He died in 1930, so he, he saw some shit. He was an old bitch. 
So yeah, I mean, you probably and the only pictures I've ever seen of him are from later in his life when he was re- wealthy, and there are lots of photographs taken of him. So um, yeah, I just assumed it was an old dude. I was surprised, like twenty seven. Shit, if he had died after this, he would have been hanging out with Kurt Cobain. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> he should have. He definitely did not peak with this though. This. So he pretty much just wrote Sherlock Holmes books forever. Yeah, he spent the next 43 years writing Sherlock Holmes books. We should talk about his biography at the end because he's a oh, fucking weirdo. Um, so the book starts and it, with Watson. And it is, it is typical of the uh, 19th century British novel that it's it's presented as if it's a, like a collection of documents that have been co- uh, collected to show you some story. There's a lot of books that do this from the time. Like Dracula. Dracula. Um, another mystery novel that was very popular from this time is The Moonstone by Wilkie Collins or something like that, where it's like, oh, here's a section of a guy's journal and here's a lady's letter. And, and it was it was a common thing at the time. I mean, it still is a thing that happens, but so that, that's one clue that it's of a, of a time period. And it's presented in the first big section. It's from the reminiscences of Dr. John Watson, who gives you his whole fucking biography in the beginning for just one throwaway Sherlock Holmes line, basically. Yeah, and then it doesn't matter at all. So, although, okay, so Watson is a soldier. Uh, actually, well, he's a doctor, but he's a doctor in the army. And in the very beginning, he it's, it's him. He's in the Afghan campaign where he it's where it really sucks. And he gets injured. He gets, he gets shot. And his valiant manservant rescues brings carries him to safety because you know it was the british army and then he's back in london and he's oh, well, we skipped the most up. important part of his injury which is when he got the shits i ate one spoonful of afghan food <laughs> <laughs> well at that time as a soldier you were more likely to die from getting the shits than from getting shot so so you know, similar that was quite accurate spelling counts. alphabetically that's <laughs> <laughs> where the expression shot to shit comes from <laughs> whoa all right i don't know I'm i made that you. up <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't think so anyway so uh dr watson is back in london and he is uh just he's just kind of like i need a place to stay i need a man to rent a room with <laughs> and, and, and to and keep friend, me warm at night <laughs> And a friend is like, to I let know. To wear his jacket when it's chilly. <laughs> it's basically 1880s Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> and I need to sign a, a, a sew a giant W onto all of my shirts. That's what Laverne <laughs> did in the show. Remember well, that w for Watson. <laughs> yeah, I know, but she had a giant L on all of her shirts, Laverne. Oh, I figured she showed a W. Like she couldn't remember her fucking name. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like, I need a man. I need, well, somebody, anyone will do, but it must be a man. And uh, a girthy one. He would have really gotten killed on Craigslist. And a top. <laughs> Absolutely just murdered. Uh, and this mutual friend is like, oh, well, I do know someone who is also looking for a man to live with. But <laughs> but you can't, you, if, if it doesn't work out, you can't blame it on me. Oh, no, that is perfectly fine. And they go on in this <laughs> very British way for like a couple of pages, just basically saying. <laughs> and also, by the way, this is a guy that you also have to learn how he knows this guy for this one throwaway conversation. He's like, and then I met old Jeeves, who I knew from the time we were at whatever the fuck place, who I haven't spoken to in years, but I was so excited to speak to him that I had to speak to him for a long time, and we talked about this. 
Like, chill out, Watson. Like, no one gives a fuck about those details. Let's just get back to that man-on-man action that we all came here for. Well, speaking of man-on-man action, he says, let's go meet this guy. Where is he? He's at the morgue. He's beating off, I mean, beating corpses (laughs) (laughs) to test their blood flow. Or something, I don't know. <laughs> and at this point, <laughs> to be clear, Watson, uh, you, Watson does not know that Sherlock Holmes is a, you know, private detective Sociopath. kind of thing. He, he's never <laughs> met him, doesn't know anything about him, and he just kind of is like, oh, yeah, no, he's, he's literally doing all these tests down in the morgue. Oh, well, then I must meet him. And he's really smart, and he's good at chemistry, is what the guy says. Like, he's an excellent chemist. And Watson's like, that's great, because we just invented that. You only need to know, like, three things right now. It's 1887. What is poison? Like, what is not poison? What is ghosts? <laughs> Do we combine it with ether? Like, that's the only question they probably asked. <laughs> Quick, more ether. Yeah, so they meet, and he meets him at the morgue, and then Sherlock Holmes is a fucking weird dude. But he's, like, doing, like, chemistry experiments, and at the same time, he, like, immediately notices... He, he, without just, like, hi you know, meeting Watson, he's immediately able to tell, oh, you've just come back from Afghanistan and you were wounded. And it's like, what? How, how did you know that? The first hint that Sherlock Holmes is very observant. And yet he never remembers anyone's birthday. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> he, he notices shit, but then he kind of like lords it over everybody. Like he doesn't want to just, he's not there to actually help all the time. It's there to just, boost his fucking ego i read these when i was a kid and i had forgotten or i just never really figured realized that he's he's a dick he sucks he sucks hard Mm -hmm. yeah so they uh they move in together and they're (laughs) talking about things and watson eventually figures out that he's a detective and he does these things and he's very observant and he's very smart but he also notices that he doesn't know a lot of very basic things like he doesn't know that the earth goes around the sun or any current events and he knows a lot about chemistry and uh, history, some history stuff, but he doesn't know a lot of other stuff. I bet he couldn't even name three philosophers. <laughs> <laughs> this is Three Philosophers from Omegong. It's a, it's a classic. It's a classic. And I saw it, and I honestly couldn't really find a much better um, match for this episode. And yeah, like, this is good. a bad one. But this is the best I could do. <laughs> this is the bourbon barrel iteration of Three Philosophers. Oh, it is a quadruple ale. It's a, a blend of quadruple ale and Belgian Creek ale with cherries aged in bourbon barrels. And made with real creek? Made with real creek. <laughs> the can squeaks when you open it. It's like, creek? <laughs> creek, K-R-I-E-K, is a Belgian sour Who? Uh, Good cherry lord, beer. mother of fuck. Is it I taste good? the bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> this is a what fucking percentage is this? Like eleven thousand? Twelve. Twelve percent. The OG is like ten or nine point eight. Yeah. I figured the bourbon one would be stronger, so I picked that one. There was also like a wine cask one, but I wasn't gonna waste my fucking time. Three Philosophers is a beer that I've had, you know, a decent amount of times, but it had it's been a few years. And it's an old it's an old good one. And honestly, I realize I haven't had like a Belgian beer in fucking ever. And they were the like my we favorite on ones. Might have been a delirium tremens. Yeah, they're my favorite ones for a long time. But now all IPAs are just all everything, everything, everything. And you know, it's been a while since a good old Belgian quadruple Asian bourbon. I can taste the cherries too. 
and uh, this is awesome. And it's uh, very strong. So I'm sorry for what's going to happen to me over the course of the next hour. I don't even think about the second hour after this. (laughs) (laughs) We should point out that that second hour of content is what you get if you sign up for our Patreon. Uh, If you head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club, you could sign up and, uh, you know, give us some of your hard earned money to support this podcast, fledgling podcast, and get all sorts of cool things in return, like a a handwritten letter and a cool sticker of our thing that you could put on things uh <laughs> i mean it's a, who doesn't fucking want that thing you could get uh shout out on our podcast you get to vote most importantly in our monthly book poll and you get to part you get exclusive content and you could even get a drunk guys book club official pint glass sent to you almost certainly guaranteed to make things taste better mm, yeah yeah almost certainly almost legally you have we to can't find say out. that it makes things taste better but can't see illegally, we but, can but say that. <laughs> <laughs> it does work for us. So check that out if you're interested. So Sherlock Holmes is a total asshole in that scene because uh, Watson says something like ridiculously stupid, like the earth goes around the sun. And Sherlock Holmes is like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> and he's like, no, seriously, dude, like that's that was like a big issue 400 years ago. Like people got excommunicated and burnt at the stake and shit. And he's like, now that I know. I will do my best to forget that. That's <laughs> literally what he says. Like, I don't have room in my head for that, which is total bullshit. That's not how the brain works. And it's apparently how his brain works. It's like a floppy disk. It's got several KB of memory, and he can't remember everything. <laughs> and I have to leave some space on this floppy disk for lemmings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. He's, he's, Fun game. Fun game. Yeah, right, old school <laughs> And playing... Uh, uh, Oregon Trail later, but he, uh, which actually comes in later in the book. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it, does. it does. So he's like, uh, I don't, I only have, there's only so much space in a human brain, and I need to know things like what are the 56 types of cigar ash, <laughs> whatever the, <laughs> and the 11,000 kinds of dirt in London. <laughs> Other dirt doesn't matter. So, uh, Watson's like, whatever, dude, you're paying half this rent. And, uh, then ultimately, a dead person gets found. So right. ultimately, really he gets a telegram, and the telegram. So it's people like come to show up, show up at at at, at uh, Holmes' place, and they he did, Watson doesn't know what they're there for, but literally they go and just ask him, "Hey, this weird thing happened to me. What do you think happened?" And he literally solves their crime, solves whatever the mystery is, just without only hearing about it. But anyway, so apparently, so Holmes gets a telegram. It is from the. Two of the top detectives in Scotland Yard, who's got a who have got a real crazy new case, and they can't make heads or tails of it. So they want Sherlock Holmes to stop by to see if he can see what he can figure out. So he's like, "Let's go!" And so they hop in a cab, a horse-drawn cab at the time, of course, uh, and then they head down to. I would say it was pretty handsome. It was fine. It was above average. <laughs> I don't get it. Actually, handsome cab. That's. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, dude. This is an educational podcast. I'm looking for the, the, the name thing. Aha. Uh-huh. So he has to go to Brixton Road. And if I knew anything about London, I might, that might be Isn't that meaningful. a Clash song? I don't know. Guns of Brixton? <laughs> that is a Clash song, actually. Okay, yeah. That was right. So they show up at this crime scene. And then Holmes immediately is starting to like notice things. There's that there's like, you know, tracks, uh, you know, more like tracks on the ground from other 
cabs, and then um, a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> and then dead they, guy. It's, it's, but that's just outside. Then they walk in, and then there's a dead body just lying in the middle of the floor. And he's got, in the dead body has an expression of terror on his face. And so they start looking, and it's very, very strange. But immediately, Sherlock Holmes gets straight to the heart of matters. Like Don Henley? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I think one of the boys of summer did this. <laughs> uh, this beer is called Heart of Matters. <laughs> And it is by Deciduous Brewing Company, which is in, oh, which is in Newmarket, New Hampshire. Huh, didn't know that. Okay, and there you go. Uh, and it is a double IPA, though it does not say the percent. I hope that it's deciduous and not bad. The flavor is just falling off of it. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, no, it does have, it says 6.5% alcohol. That ain't it's a double. Good. Bullshit, that's a double IPA. 6.5. Maybe it's a bonsai. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are, user, those are usually evergreens. Uh, yeah. This is more like a sapling of an IPA. It just has, it needs time. So it's nice. Uh, it's not like a juicy IPA. It's more of an old school, but it's not super bitter. Despite being from New England. <laughs> so immediately uh, when Holmes gets there, he starts to notice some things about the corpse. I don't exactly how remember how, but they somehow know the guy's name. Well, he notices a bunch of stuff, but he doesn't tell anyone anything because he wants to just do it all himself and like show off because he's a dick. Yeah. So uh, kind of what really happens is one of the detectives is like, wait a minute, take a look over here and notices some things, uh, one of which is the word Raka uh, written, on the, written on the wall. I love that Ramstein song. <laughs> But for some reason, like, they couldn't see that before. They literally, like, we don't know anything about this. We don't know anything about this case. Let's call Sherlock Holmes. And then when Sherlock Holmes gets there, it's like, wait a minute. Let's look on the walls. And then there was something on the walls. Like, what? What? Anyway, it's written in red. Uh, It is the German word for revenge. Although one of which thinks he was, it's the beginning of the word Rachel. There's two fucking dumb cops. And I forget, one is named, like... The vampire, the, the vampire from uh, Interview to Vampire, right? Lestrade. Lestrade, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the other one is Gregson. Yeah. And they, they like have this whole theory. And then immediately after the detectives say, I think I know what happens, Sherlock Holmes is like, no. <laughs> he is like, this, that's definitely not it. And then says all, all of these things. The murderer is six feet tall, but has very small feet. <laughs> this is all what, what Holmes has come up with. A florid complexion. How the hell is Holmes? No, he has a florid complexion. That's just fucking weird. But anyway, square-toed boots, and he was smoking a, a, a Trichinopoly cigar. I don't know anything about cigars, so. That's what you get when you eat bad pork, right? <laughs> yes, it's a pork cigar. <laughs> These cigars ain't kosher. <laughs> it's a His sausage. right-hand <laughs> fingernails are long. Somehow Holmes knows this, and because that, he carved uh, the, he carved the Rasha Racha into the wall, yeah. and that uh, he arrived in a cab, and that Racha was in fact not the beginning of the word Rachel; it was actually there. Uh, but because the A was written in a in a way that a German wouldn't have written it, written written it, wrote it, wrote it. I think is the yeah, rut. He didn't rut it. <laughs> he didn't make his mark in a way that a German would. <laughs> 
he made made his mark in a in a different style. It's like so that's why how Holmes knew that ah oh, must be must be fooling. He must be uh, making that up. It's like a red herring thing. Mm-hmm. This is this is the entire basis of that whole like twenty minute scene in uh, Inglorious Bastards. And, like a German would hold up three fingers this way, not that way. Mm. Remember that scene? Like, yeah. Cult those those very minor cultural differences that only pricks who study abroad will tell you about. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how a German writes an A differently from other people. But well, there is a there is a different uh, European way of writing the number one, um, like the, like the, sh- the children's penmanship. Mm. Where instead of just putting a straight line, it's kind of like um, it almost looks like a seven, but a very slanted line. So it's like a, a st- straight line up. It's like you know, like that formal one where it has like a little loopy serif thing and then a base. Yes, you know what I'm talking kind about. Of. It, it's like that, but without the base part. So. Uh, people from Europe often write one and it kind of looks like a seven to Americans and like, what the fuck is that dude? So they, they might have a different A. I mean, there's like, the, there's like two lowercase A's, right? There's like the rounded one that everyone actually writes and there's the one that you type. Maybe they, the Germans do the other one. Well, I assume since he was a German, it would be in all capitals because they're always screaming. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> it's not written in like gothic black letter, <laughs> like, like the, the uh, masthead of a newspaper. So they also find a when they move the body, they also find a gold ring. They find that in the on the body, or is that it's found in underneath the, the body? Underneath yeah. the book. And then at this point, the book gets even more ridiculous. Whereas Holmes like has a theory about how to catch the catch the guy, but he won't even tell the detectives. Won't tell Watson what it is either, and won't even tell the detective. He's just like, I- I'll do it. I've got a plan, which is like he already somehow managed to put out an ad in the newspaper for like, oh, found one gold ring, and then gets in contact with the net with his network of homeless people to comb the, comb the, the streets to like find. And he yells at them. He's <laughs> like, no, you don't come in the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, because there were, there were a bunch of, um, what are they, what's the, the charming, totally not dated term? Is he calling them street Arabs or something? Oh, street Arabs, Urchins. yeah. But yeah, he has a whole bunch of homeless children that it's not like, uh, what was the book, Nate, that you said, was it Fagin was like clearly molesting all the children? That's Oliver Twist, yeah. But here Sherlock Holmes is really just abusing them for their knowledge of like who gives you a nickel on the street <laughs> and who's moving around and who has forgotten their hat. So he has a whole, it's a whole bunch of dumb strategies to the, you know, modern person. But they but they work. And then an old lady shows up and she's like, that's my ring. And then Sherlock Holmes is like, yep, go. Here it is. Watson, go follow that old lady that I'm pretty sure is a man <laughs> and is a killer. So then he follows her on the least suspenseful chase scene I've ever read in my life. He just sits on the back of the cab. And then yeah. somehow the person gets out of the cab without him noticing, even though they're on it. <laughs> It must be a must He's be a fucking ghost. <laughs> so anyway, chasing that weird woman who shows up for the ring goes nowhere. Uh, and then uh, one of the detectives shows back up and says, "We found the other guy, or they found out where he was staying." But oops, he's dead too. <laughs> and they find out that so the first guy is named uh, Enoch Treber, and they were looking for his personal secretary, a man named Joseph Stangerson, because he the guy had a letter on him with those names on it. How uh, convenient. And then, but they find Joseph Stangerson in his uh, Stangerson's hotel, and he's dead. 
So it's like, oops, now we've got two murders. Way to go, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you really, really did a great job there. But then the, the second guy has a telegram on him, and the telegram just says, J.H. is in Europe. Stop. J.H. is in Europe. <laughs> uh, and he has also a little bottle of pills. So, and, and Sherlock is like, I bet that's the poison that killed the other guy. I know. That old dog we passed <laughs> by in the lobby. Science. Let's, let, let's give it to the dog. <laughs> and so they do. And then the dog doesn't die. And Holmes is like, it's like, you know what? Something's wrong here. I know this is the poison. Give him another one. So they give him another one, and then the Keep dog Keep giving dies. that dog pills until it dies. <laughs> I don't like that dog. Yeah. <laughs> Indubitably. So then uh, they find... They kill the so, dog. Oh, they, they, know they kill the dog. The dog which is in the way. And then Holmes is like, Back well... Back to my hunch. Uh, we, have, we gotta... We gotta Okay, well let's let's head back. But first, we gotta like carry all this stuff back downstairs. Call the cab boy, cab man, come up here. So he, uh, the cab man, comes upstairs, and Sherlock Holmes goes, "That's him. That's the killer." He like handcuffs him. He's like, "Motherfucker!" And then they and then they grab him and they handcuff him, and there's a fight which goes, I don't know, since he's already handcuffed, does actually still almost manages to 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 win. The guy almost managed he like to jumps win, but, through a fucking window. <laughs> yeah. But they managed to restrain him. And then he's like, ugh. Period. And, and End sh- of part one. But Sherlock Holmes is like, not only is that the killer, he's like, let me tell you his name. I know his name now. He's like, that's Mr. Jefferson Hope, the murderer. And they're like, dude, how do you know any of this because shit? Because I've been withholding all the evidence I find. Yes, and I will tell you all of it at the very end once I've proven I know it. That way I can never be proven wrong. <laughs> But now, at this point, they've caught the murderer, and it's only about halfway through. I mean, it's yeah. not actually a long book, but it's still, like, halfway through. And then immediately, it just says, part two, the country of the saints. And suddenly, it's, an, it's a guy walking through Utah with, like, carrying a child. And then this part goes on for so long. It's like a third of the book. At least, yeah. I, I really did wonder if like the fi- the file I downloaded was wrong. So we could summarize that real fast because it's fucking like dumb. they should have done. You really <laughs> should have. Oh my god! So this guy is like the last survivor of the Donner Party, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he's dead. like him, and he's like carrying a child who's not actually his child, but she's the only other person who survived. And then they kind of get rescued by Mormons who are just kind of walking like, through. Oh god, let me in, die in Utah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he's like, oh no uh. And they're like, we'll help you But you've got to become a Mormon And he's like, uh, okay <laughs> How many I have to like knock on a lot of people's doors And ask them to change religions and shit Like, yeah, that's going to so, happen eventually oh, fuck. And then you fast forward like 15 years and then Oh, and they're like, is that your kid? And he's like, yes, I guess so Might as well be and then he raises that girl as his daughter. Raises that girl, That's and then, kind of like fifteen years later, he's been he's been a farmer, and he's raised her, and it's been fine. But she is hot, and he's rich. <laughs> he's a fucking rich dude, despite not knowing how to like pack enough beef jerky to get across <laughs> the salt flats. He's an amazing entrepreneur, and he's the richest guy in town. 
and and Brigham Young's a character. In this he scene. is, yeah, yeah. Brigham Young tells this guy, whose name is John Ferrier, he gives him an ultimatum: your daughter, I'll give you one month to decide which of these two guys your daughter's going to marry. They're going to marry that hot girl. If my name isn't Brigham Young, those guys like to bring him Young. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, and but Lucy, meanwhile, also has is actually in love with. Some other guy, but he's not there. Uh, it really doesn't matter. Uh, Want to guess who it is <laughs> at this point? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> and it's Jefferson Hope, but he's like away. So anyway, uh, a month goes by, and then they uh, the Lucy and the guy, they try and escape, but it doesn't really go very well. Oh, can, we and just, then, can we just talk about the dumb shit where like every day they'd paint another number on the guy's door? <laughs> they were like... 27 and it's like oh shit i only have 27 days left to pick one of these assholes and then the next morning 26 <laughs> just to keep this mormon countdown but it's written on the ceiling this time and how could they get in the doors were locked and and i like when the guy's like i have more of a right because i only have four wives and the guy's like well, i have seven wives but i could afford them so she should be mine and they're like that's their argument nothing and about her decision <laughs> Whatsoever. And the two men that they're fighting over are Joseph Stangerson and Enoch Dreber. So eventually, uh, one of them does actually marry Lucy. Uh, Farrier dies. Well, so Lucy tries to escape. She runs away with Farrier. And he's like, we're fucking leaving. We're going to leave Utah. Fuck, fuck everything. And they kidnap her. They ki- and, but also, Jefferson Hope is like trying to get there to meet them at the same time he's like trying to come back he like got a message but and he's he, like oh he knows he has to get there and he's like there's like long ass fucking dumb scenes where he's like hunts a goat <laughs> <laughs> that's, really but it's like the goat was too heavy to lift like holy shit this book is too heavy to lift like what who cares about the big horn sheep that he killed or whatever this is and then he goes back like Somehow he finds that they're they're gone. Uh, there's a freshly dug grave, and there's like a makeshift tombstone on it. It's like, here lives Farrier. He was a good Mormon most of the time, except that one time with his kid, and he's dead. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, shit, they got Shouldn't her. Shouldn't spend so much time on that like, goat. That fucking, <laughs> it was the worst of all time. And, then, and he's like, who, who could have done this but some... Maybe roadside bandits. <laughs> <laughs> this is called Double Roadside Bandits, and it's from the Burlington Beer Company. There were two of them. And it's a milkshake-style double IPA brewed with blueberry pancakes, blueberries, vanilla, and milk sugar. Blueberry pancakes and the blueberries? Yeah. I guess double, that's a double. You know, yeah, double okay. roadside bandits. See, it's like a purple thing. I really don't get a strong note of pancakes, <laughs> but... <laughs> And I fucking love pancakes. Have you tried dipping bread into it? Like, like it's like some sort of alcoholic olive garden. <laughs> <or just like, laughs> Get poured on pancakes. It is. It's fine. It's a. It's a nice. It looks like it's got a lot of double blueberry IPA, in it. but it, it does have a lot of blueberry, so it gives it a much more tart mm-hmm. flavor. Another brewery could have easily called it like this is our sour blueberry IPA, and you're like, oh, that also makes sense. But the blueberry flavor is real. So then the guy goes back to the town and then he's like hey what happened to that lady 
and oh and also the guy's like well, you can't come back here you're you're a wanted man or it's whole fucking dumb shit and he's like where is where is she and he's like, oh she died like 11 minutes ago <laughs> you were really you should have spent less time on the, sh- on the fucking, fucking goat, goat. <laughs> that, was, that really that really fucked things up dude so he goes and she's dead and she's surrounded by the other like 19 sister wives and he just goes and snatches the wedding ring off of her dead hand. He's like, she won't be buried in that. And then he leaves. And then he goes on a long-ass explanation of how he decided to get revenge. But first he had to, like, walk to St. Louis or something dumb. And take about 11,000 boats. He's like, I chased them across two continents. I don't know why that was necessary. Well, they, they were on the run. I guess they were on the run from him, but I don't really... There was a rift in the Mormon community that, like, the oh, older generation. And the, sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but with more wives. And yeah. they have some sort of weird thing. And I think that's why they split up. I don't know. It doesn't, it's fucking... We need to talk about the treatment of Mormons in this <laughs> book, actually. It is not great. <laughs> so anyway, the two the two dudes who are uh they've they've left, but they're like literally just traveling across Europe and stuff. Dreber it remains very wealthy, but Stangerson like loses all his money, so he's just Dreber's uh Enoch Dreber's like secretary. And Jefferson Hope is literally like going to like following them from city to city, Saint Petersburg, Denmark, they're in Paris, they're like He's just like trying, but he goes to every city, but because cities don't have like, because because people don't conveniently just post on Facebook everywhere they go, <laughs> it's really hard to find them. He, he was doing surprisingly good. He was doing like spending weeks and months just like searching these cities like for these, for these dudes. But then they, but just before you can find them, they go off, they sort of move to another city until eventually they get to London where he actually manages to find, find them. Because someone finally speaks English, and he can ask where they are. I like that he's, uh, he's like they'll never recognize me. I've grown a beard. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> so Jefferson Hope, uh, both probably just to make money and as a convenient disguise, becomes a cab cabbie. He and was so he doing could. that to make money. Actually, that was because every time every time he get to a new place, he'd have to do menial labor because he just his entire life was about revenge. So he'd just make enough money to survive yeah and so eventually he gets drepper into his cab and forces him to take the poison pills and then leaves him on the in the the house on brixton road and then goes and finds stangerson and then oh but he leaves the body in brixton road leaves the ring for or forgot the ring or something like that oh and he forgot the ring and then he went back for it he was the pretend drunk guy Right, we talked. We skipped a whole part where the cop they interviewed the beat cop who found the body, and he was like, "There was just one drunk guy," and then and Sherlock Holmes was like, "That drunk guy was your murderer," and we found out like, "Yeah, it was him, of course." Yep. Uh, but it turns out that so anyway, and then he uh, murders the other guy, and then he's caught. But it turns out that uh, Jefferson Hope has a <laughs> constant nosebleeds. And it has it has it has a medical condition of which he could die at any moment. He's got, I've got extreme plotitis. This is going to be really important <laughs> to the book. I'm going to have an plot in his brain plot. is going to explode any second. <laughs> but that is kind of what it is. Yeah, because then he's going to die of an aneurysm, and he knows it. Unlike everyone else who dies of an aneurysm. So he says, "Ah, 
I'm going to give him this pill. One's good, one's bad. If I die, whatever, I'm going to die anyway. But he got it right but two times. That was his whole plan. And then he stabs it, stabbed the guy yeah. once. And then, uh, then, then he dies. Boom. From the aneurysm. And then the story switches for the last little tiny sections, which is not from this like flashback of the other dude, because he's dead, into like Holmes just explaining how he managed to catch him, catch catch him and figure it out and all the little clues and stuff. And then uh and then the end. Thank fucking God. I mean it was short. I mean th- at least it was short. It was short. But it was a third too long. Like if it wasn't if the moment part wasn't in it, this would be a good book. It should have just been like, yeah, the guy's just like, that guy fucking rape married my girlfriend. I'm like, oh, that's fucked up. But then when I need to hear about like, and then chapter nine, they decided to add a second bathroom. I could have had a, I could have even had a full page. I could have even had a full page of like description and be like, okay, that's an adequate explanation. I get that. But it was, it was almost half full. I mean, Chunk. this this was, I mean, maybe it's not the very first sort of like detective thriller kind of story, but I'm sure it was one of the first very, very popular ones in sort of the way we think of the uh, how these kinds of stories are written, you know, didn't exist yet because Conan Doyle was kind of inventing it at the time. And so instead of the detectives figuring out all the backstory of the, the murderer along the way before he gets caught... He catches him halfway through, and then you just flashback, get all of this story of the guy's background, which is just, it's not a good way to write it, and there's a reason why we don't, they don't do it anymore, because it's not a good way to write it. <laughs> well, the, the, the modern short story is typically credited to being invented by Poe, and he has a, a couple, like the murders of the, of the Rue Morgue is, uh, I forget the character's name, the detective, but he gets name-checked in this. When Sherlock Holmes is like, I would detect things through the principles of detection or whatever the fuck it is. And then deduction. Deduction. And Watson's like, oh, like so and so? I should just Google his fucking name. I don't know what it is. And then Sherlock Holmes is like, yes, but way better and less like I'm from America. No, but he doesn't say that. <laughs> That's <laughs> But Conan Doyle really take it from like a standalone story or two to like a fucking franchise. Hmm. And, and, this leads directly to Hercule Penis from uh, Agatha Christie. What's his name? Poirot. Poirot. That's a, it's the same exact fucking thing as this. Poirot knows what's happening halfway through the book and just doesn't tell people till the end because he's like, oh, drama. Sherlock Holmes is the same shit. Like, in a lot of... I remember, I, don't remember, I, remember, I remember reading a lot of the short stories as a kid, and it'd be like, oh, so-and-so died. And he's like, yes. It's just what I thought would happen. And you're like, what? why did you let that happen, dude? That was not. Because <laughs> he likes to solve it after the fact. He's not there to actually prevent anything from happening. He just wants to be right. Because he's a fucking, he's like a, he is a sociopath. Like, there's something wrong with Sherlock Holmes. He, he probably is. I just, I honestly forgot that entire aspect of it. Like, when the, the show came out and it was like that, I was like, I thought, well, they changed it. But like, oh, no, they didn't. That's kind of how it was. No. The show is really good. Uh, just kind of the way this is written is, you know, so, like, first of all, like, people, uh, someone who's really smart or really competent is an interesting kind of thing to follow. You know, like James Bond. You know, he's really, really good at all the spy stuff. And, and bangs. So 
that he's banging at that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so he's really good at that, but the characters can't be like too perfect. You know, he needs a flaw. So what's, what's Holmes's flaw? He's an asshole and he doesn't <laughs> really like, doesn't know uh, how the sun works. Well, that too. <laughs> and he kind of like doesn't understand people. Although I think the, the, the show, the, the BBC show from, I don't know, 10 years ago now really played that up a, a little bit more than at least is in this original first story. He has like practical Asperger's in the new show. Uh, but then also like just the fact that it's told through Watson's perspective, like, well, that's a way just to like have the, uh, the things explained to the reader, you know, because if it was from Holmes perspective, he doesn't have to like explain all things, all these things out loud. You need Watson to be like, Hey, why the hell did you come up with that? How the hell did you know that? He's like the for, straight you know, man. The explanation to go. Which for, is ironic to, to given go their living situation. <laughs> <laughs> if it was from Holmes' perspective, would it have been like uh, Jeff Goldblum's uh, computer virus di- uh, monologue in Independence Day? Yeah. <laughs> Smears, stains, stains. Riss, riss, navy, navy. Army, soldiers, butt sex, navy. <laughs> That's where you're talking about the South Park one. <laughs> when it's like butt sex. And then he gets from butt sex to chupacabra. <laughs> and then uh, then she's like, who's having butt sex? But they... <laughs> I couldn't remember the real one. But I guess I guess Holmes's brain probably works in a similar way where if it were just were in his head, it would just be a series of non sequiturs and you'd be like, This is weird. No one thinks this way. The the fun thing about the book is like when it's explained, you're like, oh fuck! If I had thought in that in such a way, all the information was there for me. I just don't think like that. Oh, I wish I were as clever as Sherlock Holmes. It gives you the impression that you could solve any crime or figure out any situation if you just if you eliminate the impossible, you're left with just the possible, or whatever stupid shit he says. Which really doesn't narrow it down. No, because there's a lot of possible like, well, shit. Well, it's definitely not werewolves this time. Like, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I would say that... Well, okay, I don't know how, what order we want to talk about these things, but I actually really didn't think this is very good. Like, this is really, like, pretty stupid. I mean, I guess I could say maybe the potential for something more interesting is there, and it's sort of like this was just the original incarnation, and other. it's been, like done and redone in movies and TV and blah, 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 a million times. Just better than this. But, like, this really this really isn't great. This also was the first one, and it was his first yeah. one. It, could, it, it, it definitely got... The later ones were better, probably because he got rid of all the bullshit. It's like going back to watch the pilot of a sitcom or show you really like. Oh, yeah. Before they find their sea legs, and you're like, this one's... You just keep watching, and eventually it'll get better, yeah. I promise. But, like, we only know the finished product. It's like Seinfeld. You know, like, we've watched, like, the last couple seasons, and you're like, this show's great. Let's start at the beginning. You're like, oh, God, this is... <laughs> wow. Why does Kramer keep saying that about black people? <laughs> you, just, you know, just... It's, you could see the pieces are there, but, like, they haven't hit their stride yet. And in, I, I've I've never read any of the novels. I can't even I can only name one or Sign of the Four. I think it's the next one. That's actually a book. I don't, I don't even know. Is Hound of the Baskervilles a novel, or is that another short story? I think I think it's a short story I read like the full like the, oh, the complete giant Barnes works and Noble. Where it's like all the all the short story ones, and they were all good. You know, I mean, I couldn't tell you any individual one. But what he realizes, like, you get rid of the fucking flashback nonsense. 
And and the formula he settled on was Watson's really stupid, or at least comparatively. <laughs> but he brings a gun. And yeah, he's useful, but because because Holmes is so like heady about everything, he doesn't actually think about practical shit. But Holmes figures it out, doesn't tell anyone. Often Watson has to save his ass. And then at the end, Holmes is like, well, this is how I knew, but I just didn't tell you because I was a prick. But it's much dense. It's much more condensed. You know, like um, the Speckled Band is another like great story. It's like 15 pages or 20 pages. Like they're short. He gets the formula better later on. I mean, this is a... Uh, it provides a good starting point for a character that can be easily put into a million other situations where it will be much more interesting. I think that's... This one just drags because of an inexplicably long segue. And there's just too many things in it. You know, there's too many... Like, he wanted to introduce all his ideas at once. Well, I guess he had to introduce the characters and the other ones you don't have to do that anymore. And that's the first, you know, 10, 15% of the book is like, ah, this guy, he's kind of weird, but he's smart, but he doesn't like the sun. And he's got (laughs) his friend with a mustache and a gun who's stupid, but he still likes (laughs) friends in his apartment. And there's a cop who asked him for help. totally not gay. (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 tough it's a slow boring thing and you're like where is this going why am i reading about mormons and the vast desert that covers america like yeah oh, conan conan doyle's understanding of american geography was kind of kind of weak i mean i get accurate maps weren't quite as readily available it was the 1880s they were definitely available. <laughs> and at this point, like, westward expansion is basically done. You know, like, the... Uh, California is settled. Yeah, it's all done. They're no longer giving you 40 acres to just show up in a place. They're not just writing here be dragons in the middle of America anymore. Although, when did Utah become a state? It actually was sort of right around here. I mean, like, yeah, the, the gold rush was 30 year, 40 years almost over at this point. But California was a state before states in the middle were states. Yeah, but I mean, like, they had gone through Utah and said, wow, this is, this is no, <laughs> not worth going through here. It'll take a day or two. Not like till the end of time you U- walk on Utah, into bleak nothingness. Uh, according to my research, Utah didn't become a state till 1896. Hmm. So this was still like, if, as far as the Wild West existed, this was close to it. Because, you know, it wasn't even part of a country. It was not very wild because they don't allow caffeine or cursing, but, you know, whatever. So, uh, what I don't understand is, why is Utah the beehive state? What's that shit about? Is it the beehive state? Yeah, you know, like all states have dumb nicknames. Yeah. Utah is the beehive state. I'm I'm almost 100% sure that's what it is. This is the kind of thing Mike knows, so... I I believe you. I just don't know why the fuck it would be called that, because there's no flowers or trees there. Maybe it's because not having enough wives really stings. Yeah, must be that. <laughs> it's because of the hair. They all have the beehive hair for a it long time. It just got there. <laughs> it just got to Utah. <laughs> all right, so the film, there's a bajillion film adaptations of, of Sherlock Holmes. Especially recently, because it's no longer under copyright, or at least the early stories. Well, this is, this is long since not under copyright, but he, I don't know when the last one was published, but if he died in 1930, it wasn't, wasn't that long before that. Because he wrote almost, I want to say, like close to 60 Sherlock Holmes stories. So for many years, his estate has been very uh, litigious about anybody trying to make a Sherlock Holmes anything without consulting them or paying them. And then eventually people are like, dude, you can't just, you can't 
fucking own that forever. That's not how copyright is meant to work. You're not Disney. Well, you know what? Mick, uh, uh, Steamboat Willie's coming up real soon. For and and Disney has actually said that this time they're not just going to like lobby the hell out of Congress. They're actually going to let it go into public domain. Because Sonny Bono crashed into a fucking tree last time, and he was the sponsor of that bill. <laughs> oh, they could find somebody else. <laughs> and that tree got him, babe. But the... Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, but I can't name a single other song they did. Uh, the beat goes on. Then it's just not his heartbeat, though. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about Disney is, and, and uh, I got a little bit into this once I started watching Disney Plus with my kid. And you watch those old Mickey shorts. There's so many like little like so like sure you could have Steamboat Willie, but that means you could have black and white. OG Mickey, not any of the other stuff. It doesn't mean the entire character of Mickey, and that's this relates to Sherlock Holmes no. too. So, like later on, when they change Mickey's face display, uh, facial design at the end, like nineteen forty or so, that's a new thing. Or when they change his, uh, when they introduce Pluto or they introduce Minnie or whatever, each of those is a different thing. So, like, all right, sure, if you're a company and you want to make a black and white Steamboat Willie product. You could do that, but you don't really like the entire character of Mickey evolved for decades. And the same thing happened with Sherlock Holmes and his estate argued that when people were like, fuck you, we're not paying you for our adaptation. Your character was introduced in 1887. And as of the time we're recording this, like stuff, stuff produced in, I think, 1924 is now in the public domain or 1923 or something around there is the year. That mm-hmm. is like the threshold for public domain. So that's like that's fifth, uh, forty-five years or something, right? Fuck you, or you know, you great grandchildren who are just clinging on to <laughs> collect some money off of this. And a, and a judge found like, yeah, the character is was established. Like you can't just claim that you kept changing the character didn't keep changing, and that's why you know Sherlock Holmes is now a much more readily doable thing. I mean, I've not actually seen too much Sherlock Holmes shit. The only things I've really watched was the Benedict Cumberbatch show. Well, also, Disney did... No, okay, somebody also made another thing with uh, uh, fucking Guy, Iron Man. Guy Ritchie, Guy Ritchie made us uh, two movies with Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Sherlock Jr. Holmes. Oh, yeah. those look terrible. Fine. They were all right. They were a little different, but they, were, they weren't bad. They were like action movies. Uh, parts, yeah. Sherlock was... It was a little more actiony, but it was still very much a Sherlock Holmes thing. Like he had a lot more, like you know, it was more witty, and it was less of him being an like outright douchebag. But they weren't bad; just slightly different. Dude, Sherlock Holmes has the burgers. He's he's definitely he's got he's got he's got the Asperger's. <laughs> they they just... leaned into that pretty heavily in the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, series. Benedict Cumberbatch snatch. He he says it in like episode one. He's like, I am a Someone calls him like a asshole or something like that, and he says, "No, I'm a, I'm gonna fuck up the quote now." But he says, it's "A high functioning sociopath." High fun, yeah. Do your research. Mm-hmm. I'm a high functioning <laughs> sociopath. That's what he says. And it's kind of we just watched those again recently because my wife had never seen them, and I hadn't seen them since they came out. The first like, wow, two these are really seasons good. are great. It gets kind of dumb after the a third while. one's pretty good. The fourth one is not. It, great. Is the fourth one with the wedding, or is that the third? I thought that was dumb. I don't remember where Watson's wife yeah. is like an assassin. <laughs> 
or something. That starts to happen around yeah. the fourth one, yeah. That was the, the wedding is in the third one. That one was fine. But yeah, by the end when they're on like the Alcatraz Island and his and like the, the mind controlled stuff going on, I was like, okay, they need to have better ideas now. And then they just, you know, haven't made one. Like, we're gonna make one one day, but they haven't, and it's been a while now. Because it got really bad. So they're just like, no, we we're let's not. Also, Benedict Cumberbatch started becoming Doctor Strange, and Martin Freeman did The Hobbit. So, you got to respect British television for knowing when to quit when they're ahead, which is something that doesn't really happen in American TV. They're like, "Fuck it, we're gonna ride this shit into the ground till it stops making money." Yeah, much much doesn't like matter famed, how long that uh, takes. Famed British songwriter Kenny Loggins, who knows when to fold him. First of all, it's Kenny Rogers who's not British, Whatever. and he did not write that song. <laughs> so I got part of it right. You got the name <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> yeah. What did Kenny Loggins do? Footloose, The Danger Zone. Um, I thought it was the same guy. Kenny Rogers is the yeah. gambler, and a lot oh, of whatever. other songs that sound exactly Big like Jimmy. the gambler. Big <laughs> oh, no. Kenny, Kenny Rogers looks like Michael McDonald, but he's not <laughs> Kenny Loggins. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, oh, God. God damn you. <laughs> Who should read this book? <laughs> Honestly, it's I guess it's okay. Like if you if you it's it's a short thing. Just skip it's the Mormon an, part. Yeah, you know what? Actually, that would probably be it. Uh it's it's short, it's okay. But if you're like, oh, you'll absolutely love this. No, I really don't think so. I wouldn't I wouldn't tell people like that. No, it's like if you like mystery or detective stories and you like Sherlock Holmes. Read it. It's not going to take you long. It'll seem like a long time, though. <laughs> You'll wish you had several extra wives to help you read it. <laughs> it's fine. I agree. The first time I read it, it was, I was like, this is weird. Where's this going? And it was fine. It, it, it took like two days to read. So like, I didn't really care that much. You know, If this was a much, much longer book, I would have felt more strongly about how shitty it is. It's, it's like The Office. Start in season two. Oh yeah, season, you'll still get it. Season, you season you don't need there. season one to to understand it. Just skip it. It's fine. And Martin Freeman was in the British version of The Office. Holy shit! Oh, full, full circle. circle. Maybe we'll come back and do some of the other ones at some point. But I'm in no rush on it after this, honestly. Well, most of the rest are mm-hmm. short stories. The the good ones, anyway. Look so. out, short story month. Never again. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Send us a... Uh, no, you just said that. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long, don't wait for the Mormons to take your daughter away. Leave us a... Re- we should talk about how the Mormons were treated. Holy shit. And if you've listened this long, uh, wait a little longer before you exact your revenge on someone and uh, leave us a review. I just rounded to five stars. One for each time uh, this book went on too long. And you would also want to maybe check us out on Patreon and send us some money because we have tithes to give, <laughs> much like the Mormons. And check out the Hopped Up Network, <laughs> a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.